This episode of the Managing Major Podcast is brought to you by Bisha Hotel in Toronto. That's B-I-S-H-A, Bisha Hotel in Toronto. That's where you should be booking your stay when you come see the Managing Major Podcast live in Toronto, happening on Saturday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Flatiron Firkin Pub. It is a El Clasico show, likely a post-game show, possibly a preview show. I'm not sure, but either way, it's a Clasico show, depending on when La Liga schedules a Clasico for officially. But either way... When you come see us in Toronto, book your stay at Bisha Hotel. Bisha Hotel has one of the most beautiful rooftop pools in the city. It's located on the 44th floor. Make sure you check out their infinity pool while you drink the summer days away. From 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. all day, every day, you can get your tan back this summer courtesy of Bisha. If you're staying at Bisha Hotel, you should definitely take advantage of the amenities and check out all the restaurants and bars too. Go find the fun this summer and make it one to remember. As always, if you want to book your tickets to the live podcast in Toronto or any city, the link are in the show notes, or the links rather are in the show notes. So we have Los Angeles in September, Toronto in October, Dallas in November, New York in December, Miami January, London February, Washington DC March, Chicago in April, and Mumbai in May. And scattered somewhere in there will be Madrid, but we're not sure about that yet. So links to all of those in the show notes. Go book your stay. And without further ado, here is the Las Blancas podcast with Grant and Om. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Benzema needs to rest Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. It is damn near 10 p.m. on the east coast of the United States. I'm recording this right after we finish a podcast on the men's game. Grant Little has just returned from the women's edition of the International Champions Cup and we'll have so much to talk about with me, your host, Om Arvind. But I think we got to get into the big news of the day, which I knew about beforehand before it actually came out. And what I was told was that it was supposed to be a secret. So I was not going to say anything. That's why I wasn't the person who broke it. But once other people did, and they obviously got it from from different people who didn't tell them to keep it secret. Once that came out, obviously, I said my bit on it. And the big news being, you probably already guessed, Cardona is injured with a meniscus injury. She's going to have an operation on it. And that's, I mean, I'm no medical expert, but that could be up to something like three months. Maybe it could be a lot quicker, though. You know, if we look at examples like with Layla, I, I think with someone who had meniscus injury, it's about that time frame. So she's going to be out for a good bit. And there's a big you know, recovery process and everything that happens with that. I, I mean, it's awful news, right? And uh, whether it was supposed to come out or not, it has come out. We know the information now. I mean, it, it, it is definitely true. And I don't know whether the Real Madrid will ever like address that now, but when she's not going to be on the, the match day for Manchester City and for a lot of games in the future, that's the reason why. And it's a massive blow, right? It's a massive blow because she is our best player that continued through preseason. That was not you know, a change from anything else. And uh, as talented as we are, still so much of what we do revolves around her. And it, it's going to hurt a little bit you know, to not have her. And it reduces our chances to win games. That is for sure. Even though as a collective, we're a stronger squad than we were last season. Before we kind of talk about the, the larger implications of it, I just, I mean, these back-to-back preseason friendlies, maybe that wasn't the reason we had injuries, but there were two sets of back-to-back preseason friendly games, right? I'm not exactly sure how we schedule our training sessions, but I've been told that the training sessions were extremely intense. In addition to the fact that we played an intense preseason against opponents who were serious in back-to-back games, maybe Cardona's injury wasn't because of that. It could have been because of something else. But I'm not surprised that in this type of scenario, it's this is you know injuries will come about. And I don't know how much to blame Real Madrid because you know doing the training intensely when we have these types of games seems weird to me. But you know that's just one thing I know, and and it's not the full picture. 
I'm more irritated by the fact that you have tournaments, right? Like Torneo de Leon, the Kaif Trophy, like scheduling like matches between professional teams and saying it's good enough to go back to back when we know, you know, even two days of rest actually is not enough for the body to recuperate for an elite football, which is why managers complain all the time, right? Especially in the Premier League at Christmas, they're like, you know, we have a game two days later, this isn't enough. And again, this was, these were some intense pieces in games we wanted to win, especially the final in the Kaif Trophy, especially the game versus Real Sociedad. And yeah, I mean, that, that definitely annoys me a lot. And definitely I'm, I'm a bit emotional right now when my favorite player and our best player on the team is out injured, kind of coinciding with this and out injured with a serious one. So that's really frustrating for me. But Grant, just talk a little bit about, I, I mean, I guess it's obvious, but the implications this has on the team and then maybe kind of take us into how, how we look versus Manchester City, because the other big news, and I kind of already mentioned it, but not like just straightforwardly, is that we drew Manchester City in the Champions League qualifiers in, the, in a two-legged tie. We'll play them August 31st and September 8th, and we're going to have to do that without Cardona. So Grant, just, just tell me how you feel about it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough string of news pieces right there. I mean... Both teams in Spain, both Real Madrid and Levante, got probably the hardest draws in all of the Champions League with Levante getting Olympic Lyonnais and Real Madrid getting Manchester City. That is, that's tough. And then, you know, a lot of talk about how we could potentially line up against Manchester City and then this news leaks. And it's kind of like, Feels like an early sucker punch. I mean, you know, we all have seen how much we were raving about Cardona in the last podcast, about how well she's been playing, about how important she is to our team. We've been talking about that ever since this podcast has been going on. Um, I mean, just just to try and be optimistic, you know, if this happens last year, we stand like no chance against Manchester City. This year, we've added a lot of attacking depth. Cardona is still our most impactful player. She's still someone who could pull the rabbit out of the hat and score goals out of nothing. But with the likes of Athenea, with Esther Naikari, I mean, we do have players who can hopefully step up and it's less of a drop-off than it would have been last season. Yeah, it's not a disaster, but it hurts a lot because she's our most decisive attacking player, right? She... A lot of the players we'd say who would be similar to her quality are new signings. They still need to kind of bed in, right? Especially in the in an offensive sense, right? Naikari only just recently got her first goals for the club, right? Esther has actually had some injuries before she just came back and she scored as a substitute. We'll we'll talk about the, the last couple of friendlies at kind of towards the end of the podcast, mainly because there's not that much to say about them. We couldn't even watch one of the games. And there's it's a funny little story behind that if you haven't if you haven't heard about that already. But like, yeah, I mean she I don't want to be alarmist while at the same time, not, you know, I'm just trying to wave away what Marta Cardona's impact is on this team. Like we will not be a better team without her. Like that's just a fact. The question is, can we be good enough? And we hopefully have the pieces, but someone's going to have to step up. And so I think the interesting thing is, especially versus Manchester city is who are the wingers going to be? Because Athenae is obviously starting. It seemed like she was a starter anyway with Cardona on the team on the left-hand side. But again, we don't actually have that much wingers, which is why we signed Caroline Muller-Hansen, who made her unofficial debut in this last friendly that we couldn't watch. And that was the last preseason friendly we have before we play Manchester City. And then it's just the, the league season starts in September, right? So this is the last one. And, you know, Hansen played about a half of football. Apparently, she looked like she was a little off rhythm, which is what I've been told from someone who was there and actually watched the game, which is very unsurprising. And so if we're going to start her, because, you know, you'd think, oh, our winger options are Athenea, Cardona, Hansen. Cardona's out, so it would be them two. Hansen is going to come in, essentially just be thrown into the fire, right? Whereas all the other signings have been able to build up a decent amount of chemistry. And for example, yeah, I mean, Athenea will have a tough time, I guess, playing against an elite team like Manchester City. But, you know, I, she, she's, she's gelled well already with a bunch of players and Hansen has like no time. So... The question to me is, do we go with Atenea? Do we go with Hansen? 
Or are we going to do, okay, let's push Olga Carmona up the left wing, right? Because that's an option. The only reason we don't normally consider her to be part of the wing rotation is because she's a fullback now for us. So we could do that, which I think would give us a better offense. And, you know, there's not as much of a question, oh, like we're going to put Hanson under so much pressure. She just has to come in and produce in this game. But that means slotting Coradera in, you know, probably a left back. I mean, that's what Osnar is going to do. We could try Lucia there, which I personally would prefer. But either way, it's not going to be an ideal situation on, at left back. And you have to consider that too. And so I think that's kind of the big decision that needs to be made. You're know, going into Manchester City. And then, you know, after that, it becomes kind of clear because Hansen will have time to bet in. And I would be surprised if she didn't become the starting option on one of those wing positions with, with Cardona out. So, I mean, other than that, from a broad perspective, I think it's pretty obvious how Cardona affects, how Cardona's absence affects us. So I don't know if I really need to try to get at every single you know, little point that needs to be made about that. I think everyone gets it. I, I think the... The bigger question is like specifically these Manchester City games, right? Like what, what are our wing lineup going to be and how is that going to affect other positions in the team? Grant, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I feel similarly if we roll out with two wingers. I think another option that we may see is that 4-4-2 diamond or a flat 4-4-2 potentially. And then maybe you see Athenea pair with one of Naikari or Esther. Or maybe you pair Esther and Nahikari and just go with dual nines up top and see how that works. And maybe you go with a more defensively or more, a potentially more de- defensively solid 4 4 2 against Manchester City, kind of like what we did against Barcelona that one time where we pressed them well and kind of put them off their game. I wonder if we go with something like that. Um, it probably depends on Aslani's fitness depends on the fitness of the midfielders and who's gelling together in the attack. But I think you're right. If we're going with multiple wingers, there, there's a real lack of options, but maybe those lack of options yield another formation or another combination of things that we haven't seen too much of this preseason. You know, I'm tired when I just completely forgot about the 4-4-3 diamond as an option. And now that you mentioned that, I actually feel pretty strongly that's probably what Osnar is going to go with because we've seen a lot of it in preseason. And obviously, we were praising Cardona about being there, but Nayikari with Esther or you know some version of Aslani who hasn't played a single minute of preseason. So I don't know what her uh, starting status will be like going into the Manchester City game, but it, it's kind of a natural fit, right? And I guess maybe Athenea is the one who sacrificed there, but if it's just for a game or a couple games, then I mean, you know, you know, it's not like we're we're like ruining her career or anything, right? So yeah, I mean, the diamond I think is a real option, and I think that's uh, a big implication of Cardona's absence versus Manchester City because you know even with her we could do it, but you probably want both Athenea and her on the field. But if Cardona is not there, who seems to be kind of like the one non-negotiable on the team sheet, then yeah, I mean, I think you can just kind of move things around and just look at, okay, we have a case-by-case basis here with Manchester City, and it, it very well could be Maite, Teresa, Claudia, Kasi, Naikari, Esther, and then, you know, we have Olga and Kenti as the ones we're fighting with on the flanks. So that is, that is an interesting thing to consider. And I, I mean, I'm not a betting person, but I might put some money down if someone forced me to on us going with the diamond versus Manchester city due to Cardona's absence. So it would still probably be a tough call to bench up in given that she, she looked pretty good in preseason and she could find a way to make an impact though. Obviously there's second leg, there's the opportunity to do things via subs and we know Asnar loves to change formations in the middle of games. So yeah, I, I think that's all I kind of have to say on the Real Madrid front grant I think you know Manchester City better than I do. It's not that I didn't watch any of their matches last season, but you you paid attention to them because of Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis, two American players who are no longer there. How do you feel about their current status right now? I mean, they've lost some players, they have injuries at the back. They're still pretty clearly the overwhelming favorites versus us. Do you think that's fair? And how do you think our chances look like against them without Cardona? 
Yeah, so I think this is this is interesting because we saw Manchester City go head to head with Barcelona. One game that Barcelona kind of swept the floor with City, and another game in which City ended up beating Barcelona two to one. And so that's kind of my measuring stick because it's really hard to compare leagues. I think City is definitely the favorite, but I also think City has lost a lot without Sam Mewis and Abby Dahlkemper, the way that they're the way that they were playing towards the end of that season. Obviously, they still have Caroline Weir, they still have Ellen White, they have they just picked up Haley Rasso. They they're a really, really, really strong team. And it'll be interesting to kind of see um how how they perform. But I watched a lot of their league games last year. And yes, they put up some lopsided score lines. But I also saw them give up some results that ultimately cost them the league because they weren't able to break down a compact defense. You know, Barcelona did really well to also press them. So I think Osnar has some options, and there's definitely film that he can go back on and look to find weaknesses or ways to exploit City. But I would have to say that City is the favorite. They have probably the the superiority in overall player on their, through their bench and everything. They've got some real difference makers like Caroline Weir, Ellen White, who scored a hat trick in a losing effort in the Olympics. Um, it's going to be a fascinating game and a really good gauge of where we're at to start this season. And I'm, I'm pretty excited for it, although I'm also nervous because, like, like we talked about, missing Cardona for this one is huge because even if we played poorly or if we defended the entire time, I'm not saying any of those will happen. But you know Cardona could pull something wild out and hit a screamer from 30 yards and all of a sudden we're in the driver's seat or we tie the game. So, so we do miss that. But there are also players that we've signed and players that we have who are also able to do that, just not on as frequent a basis as Cardona did last season. Yeah, so I guess from the positive perspective, is that like Major City looked kind of thin at the back. As far as I understand, they only have four defenders going into that game. Lucy Bronze is injured. If I'm remembering what you told me correctly. It's yeah, she, she just had an operation. I think she's going to be out. For, for a while right so I, they're kind of a top heavy team like they have quality in midfield obviously they signed Vicky Lasala from Barcelona and you know she wasn't a starter at Barcelona but that's because Alexia Pateas and Aitana Bonmuti were the players she was competing with along with Jennifer Hermoso in midfield so I that doesn't mean she's not good she's still very very good she's still in the peak of her career and she is not I mean she was part of good Barcelona sides before you know that midfield kind of arose right so you also mentioned Haley. Uh, Haley Russo, um, Kara Walsh is a really good player. And then obviously Caroline Ware is kind of the star of that show, but it's really an offense where they became, they become a scary proposition, right? Lauren Hemp, who every time I watch her play, incredible. Khadija Shaw, who in the French league, the last yeah. couple of, I mean, she, yeah. she set the league alight. She is not to be taken lightly. Um, Ellen White, I think, is, is an underrated player. People like to clown her a lot, but I, I think she's, she's just a solid classic center forward who gets into good positions and she can put goals away if people around her are able to create a lot. Chloe Kelly and Georgia Sanway, Janine Becky, like those are some offensive options yeah. that teams would kill for. So that that's where they become really scary and where Real Madrid are not as used to being in because against most teams in the league, we have most of the ball. We're the proactive team. And you know, if not, it's like the Vontier Real Sociedad where it's more of an equal battle. You know, for domination. And then, you know, the one time we faced Barcelona, they just absolutely run us over because that's what they do to a ton of teams. It's going to be an interesting and new challenge for us. And we're probably, yeah. we're, we're going to have to defend really, really well. I think that kind of determines the, the floor for our performance. And then the efficiency of our tactics, our attack, well, <laughs> tactics too, but our attackers. And then, you know, hopefully Osnar and um, his new assistant get it right on the day. Um, because if we don't, I mean, Manchester City can, I mean, they can put us away. They have that kind of offensive talent. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely correct for them to be the favorites, but it's not like they're invulnerable, right? It's not like they don't have issues themselves. 
And uh, I think we should go in with the mentality to, to go in there and win because we have enough quality to, to find a way, right? If a little bit of luck goes on our side, I can see us going through, but it won't be easy and I won't be surprised if we lose. The fullbacks are going to have their hands full. We're going to need big performances from whoever are in those spots on that day and good cover from midfield, good cover from the center backs. I mean, that city's best attribute is their, is their ability to just take you on on the wing and then get balls into Ellen White, get balls to Caroline. We are making late runs out of midfield. Lauren Hemp is so good. Chloe Kelly is a menace. I mean, and those – and like you listed them all, they're all able to really take defenders on 1v1 and make you look like a fool. And you, you can't have that in this tie. You need to be able to recover, make sure that you slow them down, put them off, because that's, that's where it could get ugly. We'll do, I guess, uh, a preview podcast about this because it's such a huge game. It really is the biggest game in Real Madrid Femino history so far. And we'll have more to say about that. We'll do some of our research on Manchester City. They're trying to maybe eke out some tactical things that we don't have right now, but I don't think there's that much more to say because we, we have some time to talk about that. And, and uh, this podcast isn't a preview podcast for that. That's coming. So unless you have anything else to say, Grant, let's talk about you for a bit. All right. What do you want to know? <laughs> what everyone wants to know, man, what it's like to interview Alexia Puteas. So Grant, if you guys weren't aware, went to the Women's International Champions Cup as like, you know, a proper journalist, right? Representing- <laughs> if, you, if you weren't aware, you don't follow me on Twitter because <laughs> there are a lot of tweets. But there are a lot of tweets. Um, and I mean, Grant posting good stuff, not just, you know, pictures. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Like he did a bunch of interviews, especially because Portland Thorne ended up winning the entire thing like and yeah let's go he, he writes for sd nation's portland thorns blog he has a relation i saw some of those players follow you so like you have a good relationship with them obviously you've done an interview with morgan weaver before who scored the winner and so that was a big moment for both of you i, I mean i don't know like when when you guys talked in the interview it kind of seemed like you guys like had a prior relationship which was kind of cool because you're like both like how are you doing she's like no how are you doing right like and I don't know, maybe that's just her being polite, but you've interviewed her before. That was a really good piece. I recommend people checking that out. And, you know, you got to kind of take your victory lap after that because you said some things in that piece that proved to be true on the day. So just, I mean, give it all to me. Like, what was the experience like? What was it like getting to interview players as like accredited journalists talking to Alexia because you did ask her her question? I mean, like, just this is your stage, man. Yeah. Like, it, it was it was incredible. I mean, just I've been covering the Thorns for over a year. I've been doing managing Madrid for over a year, but I've only ever like covered college athletics or high school athletics in person. And so, you know, the, the first time I roll up to training and everything, I'm getting to see these players train in Meg Linehan that is there, Sandra Herrera, Steph Young. Jonathan Tannenwall, I mean, all of these people that I follow and have supported their work for a long time, and I get to meet these people, it was the first kind of like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I also got to meet um, a lot of the Thorns communication staff who I've been in like constant contact with. I hear their voices over media availability every week, but I've not really met them face to face, and they've been so helpful along my way in covering them. So it was really great to meet them. And then you get there, and I mean, I don't know how much you guys follow American soccer, NWSL, MLS. Portland is just a soccer city. They, they love it. They love their women's team just as much as they love their men's team. And this was like a proper event. You know, I got to go to training, media availabilities. I was able to ask like a question over Zoom to Alexia at the start of it. And then after her two-goal substitute performance afterwards, I was the only person who wanted to talk to her because she was only speaking Spanish. And so I was able to ask her a few questions. And man, these Barcelona and Spain fans went crazy on that thing. I think it's got like 8,000 views right now. But um, yeah, and then just wonderful games. It was just a real like, everyone talks about it. We need, 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 need a Club World Cup. And this is exactly why. You see in the first couple games, you go, Leon and Barcelona, three to two, 
crazy back and forth game. I honestly thought Barcelona were the better team on the day and a goalkeeping error was the difference. But then you go Portland Thorns versus the Houston Dash. Portland go with this super heavily rotated lineup. Olivia Moultrie scores her her first professional goal as a 15-year-old. Natalia Cuica scores her first professional goal. And then the keeper, Shelby Hogan, who is making her first start, saves three penalties in the shootout. Simone Charlie puts it away at Portland and Lyon in the final. Meanwhile, you've got former Thorns scoring in Amandine Henri and um, Ana Maria for Barcelona. And then the next game, you got 3-2 Barcelona against the Dash. Another really good game. Alexia Putea scoring an absolute banger. Anna Maria doing the same. The Dash kind of doing what the Dash do, sitting back, absorbing pressure. And then Rachel Daly and Shea Groom just running and winning headers and going in full throttle. And I get to talk to the players and everything. And then, I mean, the, be- the best part of the whole thing was the Thorns winning for me. It was such a good game, I thought. It was a game worthy of a final. You had good performances. Majri was was so good all tournament for Lyon. We got to see Katarina Macario play a club game in the U.S. for the first time. And then, yeah, I mean, when, Mor- when Morgan Weaver came on to score the winner, I, I almost lost it because at the beginning of this season, I did a huge piece with her, sat down with her for a real long time. And um, yeah, I mean, when, when I interview people like that, I kind of have this extra, you know, affinity for wanting them to succeed and to see her come on after she had been out so long for injury and to be able to score that goal. That's the second trophy of the season for Portland. They're going for two more. So it was it was pretty incredible. And then to be able to talk to her after I talked to Ange Salem, talked to Crystal Dunn, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, I got home a couple hours ago and I still get kind of goosebumps when I go back through and look at it. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm extremely proud of you, man. I'm sure everyone listening is like, but what I wanted to ask you was like, were you nervous? Because I mean, you're talking to professional people like people want autographs from these right people, right like i mean you didn't sound that nervous but like was it I mean, was it weird or did you just like enter a zone where you're like all right this is my job i'm gonna do my job and then yeah. afterwards i'm i'm gonna reflect on it later i mean the thing is like when i'm talking to the thorns players i'm not really nervous because i've spoken with all of them before like i've done zoom media availabilities maybe not face to face but i mean i've talked to Morgan, Simone, Charlie, um, Yasmin, Ryan, all in one-on-ones. And I've had media availability with other people. Like I interviewed Liv Moultrie and I like, she follows me on Twitter and does too. So like, I'm not nervous about that. It was when I got the most nervous was when I was doing it in Spanish. You know, I had like a little notepad to make sure that like, if I slipped up or anything, <laughs> I could fall back on that because you know you get down there and doing it in a different language is is completely different because you have these extra nerves and then you start to slip up and like you can start spiraling so definitely for when I was talking to Mariona and when I was talking to Alexia I had it kind of written down and was able to read it a little more and fall back on that but yeah um you do kind of just get into that zone I try not to think about it. It's kind of like cagey down there. You have all these journalists trying to get in and like throw elbows to get the good positioning to, to record. And they want to ask the questions to the people and all of this stuff. So it is kind of like game time. You, you put on your, your game face and you go to your battle to try and get your quotes and everything. What did you ask Mariona? Because I don't think I saw oh, it yeah. if you posted it. So she, so I asked something and she did not answer my question. <laughs> did she? I basically, I, I basically asked her like, could you talk about, you had these two goals today, but you also had this huge part in build up. And she was like, yeah, we're sad about the loss. We need to improve cliche, cliche in Spanish. Oh but, man. Um, that would yeah, have been, yeah. that was such a good question because she yeah, has I know. This, like, I was hoping like I, I, maybe butchered it a little bit and she maybe just fell back because she wasn't exactly sure she's like who's this 
white <laughs> kid trying to <laughs> speak Spanish. But um, but Alexia was really well spoken. I was excited that I got the in, the opportunity to talk to her in the mix zone because I had previously talked to her on the Zoom availability, and she's like really thoughtful and listens to you and even when i'm like maybe stumbling over a word here or there she like takes it in and then will give you a thoughtful answer so that was pretty cool um and i thought that turned out pretty well so like i guess this is a weird question but like it almost feels like alexia is building this like superstar status right like she's not just another player and the Ballon d'Or shouts for her obvious. I think both you and I agree that she should win the Ballon d'Or. Whether that happens or not, we'll see. Is like we talk about players having like a sort of aura, but like, do you feel like that was kind of around her, or like just part of being like this well-spoken person? Like she's just so down to earth that you may have been nervous, but once you got into it, like you just kind of felt like you were talking to just a footballer, or like no, like it's Alexia Puteas, right? And like there was just a feeling about it. I think it's a combination of both. You know, I was nervous going into it, but I think that she did kind of have a calming presence, but she also has this really like commanding presence where she stays calm. And, you know, we're in Providence Park, like so far away from Barcelona, but there were people all over the stadium screaming for her, wanting selfies, wanting signed things, like throwing Barcelona kits at her. She, she was definitely like, up there apart from the portland thorns like christine sinclair crystal dawn these kind of players who are obviously in their home market and then amandine Henri, who used to play for the thorns alexia was the person that everybody was like yeah yeah we want her autograph she's the one that that we want to see and even for a lot of people like there were barca fans cheering in the stands and stuff there was a huge barca contingent and Alexia just is the leader. She's she has that kind of superstar aura about her, but she doesn't act arrogant about it. She knows that she has that and she's calm, cool, and collected about it. Like, I mean, she this is just another day for her, right? Like she she is she... very like in a different way, kind of like the the aura of Megan Rapino. She's not like so flashy as Pino. She's much more calm. I think, but you know, like when Pino walks into a room, she commands it. Alexia right. does the same, right? They're used to it. They're used to being a vocal leader, right? Like Alexia is basically the face of the team. Like if she's not the captain, she's one of the captains. I should probably know that information. She is. She yeah, is. She's, yeah, she's, Martha she, Thorihone is the second captain. Right. So she, I mean, she's the leader of the team very much. And so, yeah, I mean, it, this is all stuff we'd figure about her, but it's like nice to get that confirmed and like, Everyone listening right now is jealous as hell because they they want they want to be in your shoes. Or- uh, I have to send you one of the the guys working at the Thorns got a pretty cool picture of uh, me interviewing her. So no, we got to see pretty that. Pu- yeah, I was pretty pumped about it. I was like, oh, that's that's going to, that's a profile picture right there. Oh yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a, that's a really nice picture. So yeah, I mean, if you if it's the stuff Grant's talking about now, like really intrigued, you just go through his Twitter account because you posted a ton of stuff on there. And I, I think he got some really thoughtful interviews, right? Like we complain a lot, like reporters asking bullshit questions, right? Like trying to get the quotes as you kind of talked about. I thought you asked good questions, meaningful questions. Like the players like seem to like respond to it, right? They're like, I mean, this is this is an interesting thing to except for Mariona, um, but we'll allow that one. And yeah, I mean, it's it, it was just really fun to see. Um, I kind of felt like I was living through you a little bit because I was watching those international champions come game. And I was like, if I just close my eyes, right, and listen to the video, let's pretend I was the one interviewing <laughs> the players. Um, well, hey, guys, if you looked at that and you're pumped up, you should definitely follow along for more Thorn stuff because they've still got a whole lot of the regular season and the playoffs in there. Super exciting. There's a lot of fun players. I know you guys have been following along with Ohm. He's on the Sophia Smith hype train. Let's go. She is she's a baller. She's gonna be a star for the NWSL. She's gonna be a star for the women's national team. She's sweet, plays for the Thorns. She's also lovely to talk to. Super cool. So yeah, so this is perfect because what I want to do is transition and quickly talk about the the actual games because I mean you kind of like did a, a quick recap, but you know, maybe some bigger talking points. You know, why not? We just spent all this time talking about <laughs> you being there and the Barcelona one, I, I think, you know, there's 
There's all sorts of debates about who was taking it seriously. How much does this matter? It seemed a little bit more like preseason for the European teams taken very seriously by the NWSL teams. I think Barcelona was clearly the most relaxed out of all of them, right? Like yeah, they, they should have. I mean, they should have wiped out the dash. Not to... well. I'll, I'll tell you right now that one of the journalists that I know that was sitting next to me saw them at Voodoo Donuts on game day, getting donuts. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I they think were, they were getting donuts before game day. I mean, I, it was it was hours before, but definitely not the pregame meal of champions. Yeah, not not the pasta you'd expect them to be eating, you know, a couple hours before the game. So yeah, I mean, they were still good enough though, right? Like Alexia came on, you know, did her thing, won a penalty, scored an absolutely incredible goal, and it was closer than it needed to be. The defending was really good, and Barca defended poorly throughout the entire tournament, but. In terms of like, is this the end of their reign? Like, I wish, but I don't. I it's just, not. <laughs> I just don't think that's what's happening. Though that you know didn't really stop the commentators I was listening to on ESPN being like, when the Thorns won, the Thorns are officially the best team in the world. And like, I'll take it. <laughs> I I wanted to get that out of you, but like, I was. So the thing was right with I. Leon didn't look like they weren't trying. In fact, they looked pretty disappointed they didn't lose whereas that happened to Barca right I mean they they were they were playing the third place match I mean they didn't really seem to give a shit that they weren't in the final right whereas Leon did when they lost Henri the final. said that they were going to play it like a Champions League final yeah I mean, I mean it looked like Leon were playing hard and the impressive yeah. thing to me is I really missed most of the first half I mean there was so much going on and I was like I'm not really gonna pay attention to that. I need to like take a shower make food but I'm gonna watch the second half and I really watched the second half and I don't know what happened in the first but I mean, Leon were getting cooked in the second half. Like the thorns were beautiful. <laughs> the thorns were clearly the better team. And I'm like, this is a side that was good last year, got better this year, right? They've they've added Endler, they've added so many players. Like they took they just took directly from PSG. Yeah, and, and straight up, Endler was the reason that Barca wasn't in the final. Yeah, I mean Endler, Endler like, is they're, they're, the Barca defended horribly, but they created yeah, way yeah. more chances right yeah i mean barca were the, were the better team but like leon is they're legit i mean literally we're only talking about like you know one year a couple years removed from just them being the most dominant side in europe like they've fallen but not that much they're a legit team and people with all these signings were talking about them as, as being a threat again to win the champions league and the thorns cooked them right now it's obvious it's a bit different and yeah they may have taken it seriously it's still preseason for them you know, I mean, it's mid-season for the NWSL teams. They may, may not be full strength, but, you know, they, they're in a far more rhythm and you know, blah, blah, blah. But I just think when clearly there's something a little more serious about this one compared to a lot of like the shitty preseason games we've seen with like the men's team where the dynamic's just totally different and also the quality differential, right? If we're playing an MLS team, like we don't have to try. I'm not going to say like... Yeah, I mean, Borja Mayorel scored against the MLS All-Star team when they came... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it, it just, obviously, there were people saying NWSL the best team in the world. Like, I mean, that's a stupid discussion, but it was interesting to see. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested in what your thoughts are. Like, Portland are not the best team in the world, but, like, where do you see them rank? Like, how good are they? Because that was a very impressive second-half performance. And I want to talk about some of the individuals. I want to talk about Sophia Smith, but just how good do you think they are and, and how much can you take away from this team? I think they're a very good team. I think that they're going to get better. They just went through this, this crazy spell without Becky Sauerbrunn, Crystal Dunn, Lindsey Horan, Adriana French, who actually ended up getting traded. Who am I missing? And In Weaver because of injury, right? And Christine Sinclair and Morgan Weaver from injury, Tyler Lucy from injury. So they, they were, they had like five starters, at least maybe six out. And they went unbeaten through the entire Olympic period, uh, just getting result after result with these players filling in. The, <laughs> the player that one player of the tournament, Natalia Quica, wonderful player who normally starts at right back. She played right back, midfield, and center back throughout this tournament, scored a goal. I mean, it was just a, they're a really, really solid team. And Mark Parsons talks all of this all the time about this culture that he's ingrained into this team and a lot of the times you know that kind of stuff seems cliche what whatever but it, it's a hundred percent true about this team they like whatever they have to do everyone off the bench can fill in and then you add 
Christine Sinclair, Lindsey Horan, Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, all, all these players back in there. I mean, based on just individual quality, they they have what it takes to challenge for, you know, that maybe best club team in the world, I think. But it kind of depends on coaching, on execution, and we'll never really know until we get these kind of club world cup competitions but portland's really good and when on their day they're really really good they press well they defend well as a unit and they, they attack well too i mean they're a solid team i was really proud of the performance you know obviously i've watched like every game multiple times this year and to see them do what you we've seen them do repeatedly to nwsl teams to leone even if they are in preseason form that that was a huge positive for me yeah so the, the thing that like makes me feel like there's something to take away from this is the fact like the personnel is there like the big names are there and like that's just kind of the easiest way to tell if a team is legit are the players top class and you already listed them off so i don't need to again but what i want to talk about is sophia smith because weaver scored the goal and i thought she was good as a substitute she obviously made a clear impact she had a one versus one chance which sophia smith actually set up and I mean, I'll let you, if you want, want to talk more about her, you can. But Sophia Smith, for me, was the best player in the game. I think Weaver officially won player of the match, which is what you might. What you're going to do when you score an 87th minute Right, which, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't think it's like a great injustice or anything. But personally, I feel like Sophia Smith was the best player on the day. And just like, I've known about her before. I've seen some stuff about her from before. It's not like I, I, her name was foreign to me. But this, this International Champions Cup, I also watched the other Thorns game. Um, the first one versus the dash where I thought she was also pretty good. So this was like my introduction to her, like properly, like trying to get a look at her and like actually like trying to analyze her game and stuff. And she just blew me away. Like, especially the fact that like as a 21 year old, it just felt like she was so efficient in everything she did. I was like, it's easier to say this when everyone agrees with you. So I know I'm not saying something crazy, but I mean, she's a star, like a star in the making. If she's not a star already. And it's just, obviously she has the one versus one ability, but it's, it's the timing of the runs and the angle mixed with the speed going off the shoulder that is just blew me away. Like time and time again, as long as the pass was half decent, she was generating a final third entry with that run and very possibly something dangerous happened in the box. She could have won multiple penalties. I mean, she was just destroying the right-hand side of Leon's defense. It was, it was terrifying to watch you know, just standing back and being like, if I was defender there and Sophia Smith is running at me or in behind, it was, it was unstoppable. Like it literally reminded me of, you know, Erling Holland or like Julian Mbappe getting the challenge, right? Like not to go crazy with it, but I haven't seen that many players be better at getting in behind a defense than what I saw from her. And it was the fact that once she did it, there was no panic. She, all of her touches, crisp, decisive, you know, kind of what we saw from Vinicius today or I guess it's going to be tomorrow for you guys when this comes out and just showing a lot of maturity on the ball for her age and just taking advantage of the situation to where that's what makes me think this is so valuable, right? Because you can get in behind the fact that every single time it's turning into something dangerous. And then you think about the space that generates from those types of actions, like that's, that's superstar type material. And I was just so impressed. And then you had Crystal Dunn, you know, taking turns doing that. Like Leon had a terrible time in that second half trying to deal with that. And man, like I'm, I'm fully on the hype train now because that's not stuff that just happens, you know, out of the blue, like that, that's real stuff. Yeah. And the crazy thing about Soph is this is basically her first full season. Last year in the NWSL, we had this whole COVID thing. They come back they're the first league to come back. And they have the Challenge Cup, and then they have this little fall series, which is like four games. She missed out on the enti entire Challenge Cup because of injury. She played the fall series, and now this is her first season. This is her first full regular season. At the beginning of it, she was dealing with a little knock and then coming in and out because of national team duty. But once she got a consistent run of minutes, man, she has been lights out the most dangerous player on the pitch every match. She, you talk about her runs in behind, her ability to get in behind the space, all of this stuff, run at defenses. Some of the things that impress me most about her is her ability to just turn so quickly. It looks so nonchalant from her, 
and you're like, what are these defenders doing? But she'll have her back to a defender, and all of a sudden she'll be three yards past him, and this defender is like standing around like, what hit them? Her change of pace, her ability to retain the ball, and her close control, it's just, it's crazy for someone who's barely 21 and is just starting her professional career. It's the most exciting type of, of striker, basically. And Absolutely. And I think it's just her movement across the entire back line, right? I think we try to, like, you know, only think of particular types of, like, runs and, like, you know, just maybe get a bit too simplistic what we say. Like, obviously, there's the runs in behind, but it's, like, complemented by just generally, from what I saw in the tournament, a good package of just playing on the last line. What I mean by that is not just the runs, but the occupation of defenders, but also you know, knowing when to receive back to goal and kind of just opening up and knowing when to like make little runs to show because you can't just every time yell out, hey, pass me the ball, right? A vertical passing lane is open, give me the ball because the defender is going to be alert to that. You have to, with your movements and with the timing of your runs, indicate to the passer, okay, I'm open now. And obviously then it depends on the chemistry between the players, but based on everything you said, that seems to be a lock. So I was just impressed with how smart she was with those, right? Knowing when, okay, Instead of spinning in behind, like you described, I'm going to check my run, maybe drop into a pocket, receive, and make something else happen. And when you have the complete package of movement against the last line, that's when you start to be like, okay, this is, this is something here. Because you can't just say, oh, we're going to just stop her by maybe playing a slightly deeper line or putting a fast center back. Because she can just, you know, then also receive defeat. And it just it makes it so, so much tougher. I mean, she blew me away. I mean, she's already one of my favorite players now. When I see a player like this, this is the exact type of striker that I enjoy the most. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll try to keep track of more Thorns games. It's I always get exhausted by the time I, I, yeah, I know where you can on. get some information about them. So, if you ever need anything, <laughs> yeah, Grant's right there. Any, you're always down for some Thorns propaganda. So, I mean, yes, I, I am. I'm pretty excited that we're getting to talk about the thorns on this podcast. If I'm being honest, uh, it, it took it took a performance versus Leon like this to get me on board. So, to, so consider me now now someone who will who will regularly put out Sophia Smith propaganda. So, anything more we want to kind of talk about International Champions Cup stuff? Obviously, I mean, it turns out the focus of the podcast is non Real Madrid stuff. But to be honest, I think this was the more interesting things besides obviously the big news that we covered at the beginning, like you know, getting to talk about your experience and, you know, what you've been doing and then, you know, also giving some more insight into other leagues, which is something we, maybe you didn't because you, you followed the NWSL already, but just in general, like we kind of struggled with earlier in the podcast, it's changing now, right? We, we know stuff, or at least speaking for myself, I'm starting to learn stuff. So I'm just excited to be able to, to give some information on that. But is there anything else we want to talk about? Or do we, we talk about the actual Real Madrid games or as much as we can of that? Well, we get to talk about the one that you were able to watch. <laughs> yeah, because Grant, I, I mean, you just did not have time to catch it. No, it just, no, I, did, I didn't catch this one. And, you know, apparently what Nahikari needed to score a goal was for me to not be watching. Maybe, maybe that's what it needed. Um, but you can go back to, to, to live tweeting on the account. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the... August 19th, we defeated Fundacion Alpacente 8-0 preseason friendly. It was our second to last preseason friendly. And uh, it, was, it was what we expected, right? Alpacente was not really going to pose a significant challenge to us. It was an extremely easy victory. 4-3-3, Misa, Lucia, Claudia, Ivana, Olga, Tere, Maite, Zornoza, Cardona, Esther, Athenea. Um, I think it's pretty obvious how they lined up when I said 43, you know, who goes where and just 45 minutes in the beginning of just complete domination of that side to side play at speed that we like, which Claudia Zornosa seems to have really added so much space down the flanks because of our rotation side to side that, uh, you know, Olga, Atenea, Lucia, Marta, you know, space to attack in yeah, cutbacks galore, you know, Cardona assisted the first goal that Zornosa put away. Then, I mean, just after that, it was the Esther Gonzalez show, right? And I think earlier I said she came on as a substitute and scored. I got that all mixed up. This is already distant memory for me. But she started in this game, and she ends up getting in behind. Um, managed to go one versus one with keeper, dribbles her, scores. And then after that, like, I mean, she was, for a preseason game, she was going nuts, pressuring defenders, like making all sorts of runs. Like she created the third goal from nothing because it was a rebounded shot. She pressures like three defenders, wins the ball back, sets up Maite, who then puts it away. I was just like, 
Jesus, like it's preseason and she's going nuts. And like, I mean, I, I respect that level of energy, right? Coming back in, not having played because of injury. And she's like, nah, like I'm going to try to take this game out of the scruff of the neck and prove the quality that I have. I mean, I stand that. And then in the 45th minute, you know, just because she was so active going after rebound, she scores from a rebound. And then the entire lineup changes in the second half. It goes to a 4 2 3 1. So Misa, Kenti, Rocio, Art Peter, Marta Corredera, Marina Salas, Aureli Hasi, Paula Partido, Lorena Navarro, Ariana Arias, Aikari Garcia in a 4 2 3 1, as I mentioned, with three players from the youth team. So Marina Salas, Paula Partido, and Ariana Arias. So Paula Partido has already got her, her unofficial debut with the team. Obviously, Ariana Arias actually played with us in the first team last season. Marina Salas was the one, you know, everyone was excited about because this was her unofficial debut team. And she played in a double pivot with Kasi. Because of the personnel change, you know, a lot of the starters were off. It wasn't as good the second half you know we can we we there were more there was a little more pressure on our box but ultimately we still ended up scoring four more goals it was a comfortable performance the interesting thing was ariana arias actually played out on the left um it was lorena navarro who was the number 10 behind naikari and that was interesting and i was like i didn't know how i felt about that but she had some nice dribbling and ball carrying sequences that was like wow like i mean I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't super aware that she had that in her bag. So that was nice to see. And, um, you know, I thought Marina Salas was good. She ended up assisting a goal or, you know, reassisting a goal from a set piece. Maybe one too many giveaways that I think people forgave because it was her debut. But overall, like she showed some class on the ball. And then, you know, Naikari obviously finally got her goals. Like she first ends up creating the fifth goal for Lorena with pressing. But she finally ends up getting getting um, her first goal with that free kick that I was talking about that was delivered by Marina Salas and uh, Rocio again just being a terror in the box you know, at the back post nodding it on Naikari scores and then in the 80th minute she captures her brace with Kenty Robles putting a cross in and like literally just seconds later Kasi scores from outside the box and it's 8-0 so I don't really have more to say about that. It's extremely simple. We were going to come in to dominate this game. It's about chemistry, confidence. It was a good friendly. I enjoyed it. We got the youth players to shine. So it was fun. And then we have the, well, which is going to be yesterday for you guys, the our 1-0 win over Madrid CFF, which was the last preseason game for us before we go into official matches. Atenea scored the winner, so it was 1-0. And... Caroline Muller-Hansen got her debut, and uh, that's about as much as I can tell you because we were not allowed to watch that game. They didn't even give us a video. Nothing. And uh, the reason why is either more hilarious than ever or more infuriating than ever, and probably a bit of both, because this time it wasn't our fault. It was Madrid CFF's fault. They did not let us broadcast the game. I'm not joking. Like They forbade us from broadcasting the game. Right. So we couldn't even, we can't even see highlights of the goals. Like that, that's just gone. Right. Unless someone was secretly recording it, we're never going to see, you know, that Athenea goal. Like that's, that's just gone to history. Right. Like we're in 1955 and we're not going to see a Di Stefano goal. You know, that's the shit we're talking about. And uh, so they didn't, apparently, they didn't allow us to do it because they didn't want their new signings to be revealed. What the fuck they're talking Completely about? Normal. Like, <laughs> Completely it's normal. Just, <laughs> fucking beyond me because like i've never seen a club on planet earth you know semi-professional when you sign a player you announce them before they take the pitch but apparently madrid cff want to have this whole unveiling process after preseason which is just like what are you like what is going on okay you want to do it but why would you you're literally banning your fans for being able to see the game it's insane and I guess they, they also gotta, prevents your fans from getting excited about new signings and yeah. like the interactions on social media and getting people excited to get in the stands again. I, I just, guess I just don't understand. Like you want to sell out like the first game and that's it, so that people are like, "Oh, who'd we sign?" and then go home. Like I, I don't know. That's so weird. I guess they got annoyed because in their preseason friendly versus Real Sociedad in the Torneo de Leon, which was the one before this. That's how everyone found out that, oh, all of a sudden, Diana, Diana, who used to be 
a Real Madrid player is now suddenly playing for Madrid CFF. And there were a bunch of other signings that people pointed out on social media. And like, that was how everyone knew up until that point, people had no idea what happened to these players. So that was beyond bizarre. It also looked like Madrid CFF were playing in their kits from last year, which is interesting. You know, so just a very interesting club. Maybe they're waiting to reveal those too. (laughs) In a very, very normal league. You know, so like, oh, you know, super cool. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. So apparently they got annoyed by that. So they're like, no, fuck you. you no one can see the game. And just to cap it all off, right? Because why not? And I don't know, it might've been erased, but on Real Madrid's recap of the game, they post the lineup for Madrid CFF. <laughs> Maybe this is like so, 4D trolling. Like, I mean, this I would, guy was like, oh, we can't do this. Let me watch me publish this lineup real quick. Right, because Madrid CFF, on their social media was silent. They just said the game started, Atenea scored game and nothing, no lineup. And I just, it's just like, it's a fucking clown show sometimes, this league. I don't even know. Like, I mean, I expected like it to be kind of rough with football feminino and them not being supported and stuff. But like some of the stuff I've seen. I fucking tell you, especially over just this preseason, every single game has had something like that. Just that's just I I can't like comprehend. And so yeah, I mean, thankfully and hopefully, when we get to the UEFA Women's Champions League, we won't have fucking nonsense like this. But who knows? Because the zone was you know they had the rights along you know the non-US rights to broadcast the Women's International Champions Cup. And you wouldn't have had this problem because you I, I, you watched you know the, the games you wanted to live and you have ESPN right yeah so I I didn't know ESPN had it until I realized the zone fucked up so I was going with VPN I was going to the YouTube channel worked fine the first time you know the the first the first semifinal match is what they called it they literally just didn't start the the stream until like thirty minutes into the first half so people were just sitting there like. It says waiting, you know, stream waiting to start for 30 minutes, right? Just And then it's the 30th minute. <laughs> and so that's when I went and I was, I was like, oh, it's on ESPN University and the other game will be on ESPN too. And I just, I just went there, right? But what, what is going, you acquired the rights. You, you made a huge deal about the fact that you also have the Champions League rights because this was on your UEFA Women's Champions League channel. Bro, if I'm fucking watching, you know, Real Madrid, Manchester City, and they just take out 25 minutes of the game because the intern or whatever forgets to start it, I'm gonna. They're lose. gonna have a whole lot of mad player icon twi- Twitter notifications. I'm gonna lose my fucking <laughs> mind, dude, because they made a huge deal about you know putting this on their YouTube channel and they fucked up massively, you know, for for this guy. I just it's. It's irritating. It was for the Barcelona game. I think they 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 corrected it with the the final, but the Barcelona game probably you know would have got more views anyway because Barcelona and Alexia Putea stands are crazy. But Jesus Christ, man! Like I in my recap of the game, I said thankfully we'll move on from this nonsense. But now that I just remembered that, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. So I think there's bound to be at least a little nonsense. Yeah, of course. Why not? And speaking of nonsense, and I forgot to put this kind of on our agenda before we started this podcast, but I, I mean, I just don't want it to like fly over people's heads. You know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm being a bit like hypocritical here, just slotting it in, but I did do a thread of it on Twitter, which is, you know, Rayo Vallecano are like revolting against their, their leadership the board, the president, because they have, are not providing them with their legally guaranteed rights to social security, which, you know, will cover stuff like injury. I mean, it sort of works how you imagine the United States, but it's also kind of like a workplace guarantee thing where if you get injured, right, this guarantees you. And they're, they literally just have not given that to them. And it's, I've checked, I've asked people, I've gone to, you know, the official website. It's legally guaranteed, right, as a worker in Spain that you have that is not being afforded to the players on top of a number of things, right. Where they complain about not having proper physiotherapy, you know, which would be an issue, right. If this is, we're talking about an injury situation and not having it right. Like, I mean, to, to, to the, to the extent of where they're not even allowed to park, you know, in the stadium parking facilities, while the men's team are, there have been, you know, two players on the men's teams who called in to say that we support you and that the rest of the team would have been at that press conference they held to denounce, you know, the club, if they didn't have training on the same day, like it is a really bad situation. Like, you know, we, we kind of joke about, you know, not being able to see the match and maybe have fun with that. 
this is kind of like the sinister side of this kind of nonsense that happens, you know, in women's football. And, you know, specifically in, in Spain with Primera Bergola, like, I mean, they're, they're, they're being treated like shit, essentially. You know, they're not being afforded literally the basic rights and dignities that is required by law. It's just refusing to give them. And they've had to go to the extent of having a press conference and putting it out in public and making a statement with the AFE, which is like players union for, I think, both men's and women's footballers in Spain. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a fucking tragedy and I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a disgrace. And not that, you know, people are ignoring it, but these tend to be the things that, okay, you know, people read about it or, or they miss it. And, you know, it just falls by the wayside. Like, I'll try to keep track of it. And, you know, if there's some resolution, we'll, we'll maybe talk about it on the podcast again. But I just needed to include it. Like, I'm really glad I did because it's, it's not something that should be ignored. And this is the type of thing that's just absolutely unacceptable. Like, little excuse. I'm oh, sorry. yeah. And it's important for anyone who has, like, I mean, I, our platform isn't that big and it's mostly English speaking. But a lot of the time, these kind of stories circle around the Spanish media for a news cycle and then it's gone. Just like the, the whole Real Madrid thing that we, that you wrote about earlier with um, Zara, correct? Um, Yeah. Like bringing this to a more international attention because this should be an international story. Like this is awful. This is just straight up horrible and really really bad from a club that likes to think of themselves as you know the people's club a work working club working class club left-wing club i mean i know that the, the, this isn't on the fans this is completely on the board and the fans have been kind of revolting against some of their leadership for the men's team and the women's team but i it, it's awful it is if we can get the news out there to people who can continue to spread it i mean that we got to do that yeah i mean i'm not super sure on this this is like more like vague memory but i'm pretty sure that tensions between Raul martin Peso, the president and the fans are like not good at all and he seems yeah. to stand with like exactly the opposite of everything Rio. i mean Rio like explicitly considers them to be like a socialist progressive type club and um this i mean i should definitely be fact checked on but pretty sure like you know Ressa is just like you know shake hands with like Vox you know the the far right party in Spain as like just a way to right. spite, spite mm-hmm. supporters so I mean it's it's kind of a situation where yeah like I, I saw some people saying you know this is hypocritical from Raya but I really don't think it is on fans like this is just a complete and utter failure of leadership and it just seems like you know they're they're taking a typical like you know or just, you know, doing in his way, his own politics, being like, fuck the woman, scene, like just giving them a middle finger. But okay, you can, you can, and the thing is you can mistreat, you know, women's football in a lot of ways. It's completely legal. Sadly, we've seen that. But this is a step too far. And, you know, the AFE was really clear, like there, this could be a legal matter, right? Like we're not going to stop here. And, um, you know, I just, they're probably going to be forced to do that, which is super sad. But I'm glad, like, there's some organization. If it does, like, obviously, I hope they win. And I, they obviously have a strong case because you're going to look at the paper and either you've given them Social Security or registered. The, the proper term is registered them with Social Security. Either you've done that or you're not. And I don't see how, how it goes any other way. So a pretty terrible situation. This too often is the reality. And this is not the first time, you know, I've heard about this. Ryo kind of talked about earlier in the season. There have been issues, actually. I think there's a, a complaint filed by Tacon players, like, you know, this was before we were acquired by Real Madrid about social security. It's a recurring theme with teams. Like it's just, it's not acceptable. And I just, I just wanted to bring that up in case people weren't aware. We covered the friendlies. Was there anything we needed? I mean, I don't really have much more to talk about the friendly, but was there anything kind of we, we needed to see after that? It's almost time for the regular season and it's going to be packed to start like right off the bat. We are just Guns ablaze in Champions League qualification, La Liga or Premier Iberdrola, excuse me, all of it all at once. It's going to be a lot. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of content for you guys. Yeah. Okay. So I can, you know, if there was something I can't remember, we'll find a way to touch on it later. Um, you know, I think we leaked out as much as we can really in this podcast. We had a lot to say, you know, when we only watched one game of Real Madrid football. But I, I mean, this was a fun one. It was kind of nice to take a little bit of a of a different turn on this we'll we'll catch you guys later then i mean i would assume the next podcast 
would be, you know, some type of preview one, either like a grand season preview, a preview, you know, with the Manchester City game, you know, something of the sort to kind of set that up because uh, these are a very big set of games for us. And um, it, it means a lot and we should cover it that way. So, Grant, I appreciate this so much, more than usual, because as you mentioned, you only just got off a flight a couple hours ago. We're approaching 11 p.m., which means it's been about an hour of podcasting and you know, I, I know we're both tired as hell. So, um, thanks, man, as usual. And uh, the, the goal would be you did the international champion stuff thing. When Real Madrid make Champions League final. You Let's know, go. We both <laughs> do this, you know, like 2025, 2026. Thorns versus Real Madrid. <laughs> club, that is club what World, I want, right? Club right World there. Cup final, when that finally happens. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, man. But uh, until then, I'll see you later. All of Madrid. All of Madrid and go Thorns. <laughs>